0: Hey babe. Yeah, babe. Did you know? Did you know that it's still Bong Joon Ho month?
1: I did. That's why we watched Antarctic Journal last night. I can't say that word. Is Antarctic Journal? It's kind of hard.
0: It's kind of hard. Too um, many K's. Too many. There are no K's. K sounds. <laughs> But yeah, that that is why we watched that last night. Yes. And now we're going to talk about it.
1: We sure are, because that's what we do here on Horror Babes. We talk about movies and do stuff. That's
0: why we're here. All right. So as usual, Topher's going to give us some some names, some cast and crew knowledge. And then we're going to go into the plot. Yeah. And we're going to just, you know talk about it. We're going to talk cinematography. We're Mm -hmm. going to talk some um, analysis of these um, characters. We're just going to dive
1: right in. Sweet. Antarctic Journal. What are we talking about? This is a movie, but it was not directed by Bong Joon-ho. It was written by him. And we wanted to kind of switch it up a little bit. We wanted to do something where we look at specifically his writer aspects Mm -hmm. and get to bring in a little bit more South Korean horror. This is kind of a little experiment for us. We wanted to look and see where... He kind of shines, I guess. You know, trying to do a little science with this, a little experimentation, a little control group situation. Yeah. So we wanted to pull in a different director, but still keep it a Bong Joon-ho project and see how he shapes up as a writer. We're going to tell
0: you what we found.
1: He's still really good.
0: Surprise, surprise.
1: <laughs> but this is completely different. It's really fun to see him in, some, in a project he doesn't have total control over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not calling him a dictator, just, you know, yada yada. Yeah. So, this is a 2005 psychological horror movie, and a little bit of isolation horror. It hits a couple different horror genres here. Like I said, di- uh, written by Bong Joon-ho, as well as the director, Yim pil and uh, looked like there was some script punch up from Lee Ha-jun. We have, again, in a starring role, Song Kang-ho, who was Park gang-do from The Host. Mm-hmm amazing in this role we'll get it we'll dive into that a little bit later but fucking incredible in this role too mm-hmm. becoming one of my new favorite actors
0: absolutely Let's
1: see we had uh we've got a bunch of other actors in here we have yuji tai as the young man kim min Jae. we have choi deok moon as so jae kyung one of our you know fuck it we've look we've got a lot of we've got a lot of names in here we've got a lot of explorers we've got very very small cast of only seven on-screen characters mm-hmm. and one VO actor. Yep. We'll focus a little bit on the act- I'm going to point out the actors that we want to talk about a little bit more, but essentially we're just going to be referring to them by their character names in this as much as I can. Yeah. Let's see. We've got a really great cinematographer and music artist on this. Kenji Kawai did the music hmm. for this, who is someone whose name I've seen everywhere. And when I saw it in the listing of the, the crew listings, I was like, oh, shit. I loved um, the
0: music in this film. Like there, are, really there, well done. there wasn't a lot of it, but it was kind of it was definitely quality over quantity. Like the final song that plays in this slaps, guys. Yeah. it slaps. It's so good. <laughs> and it plays through the credits and everything. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So well done.
1: Right. He's a uh, composer who's done a lot of work for anime, but specializes in horror. Mm -hmm. He also has done, he also did the music for one of my favorite movies that actually, Nicole, you and I have been talking about lately, Mon. Oh, yeah. He also did the music for one of my favorite anime movies, Mobile Suit Gundam 00, Awakening of a Trailblazer. Awesome. Very, very good. Music is incredible in that as well. I mean, I uh, believe it. Gundam's kind of known for having incredible music, right? And he really stepped up there.
0: I mean, again, guys, the last song in this—it sounds like it could be like the next John Carpenter theme. Like, it's amazing. It really, really <laughs> does.
1: There's, uh, we're going to talk more about the John Carpenterness of this. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's some real, real, real good shit. So some of the other film things he's done, he did both of the original Ring movies. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Did cool. The, he composed those.
0: Did not know that.
1: Yeah. He obviously did this. He did Seven Swords. He did Death Note in 2006. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's been all over the place. And I love a good composer who really just works, 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 works for the last, what, 34 years? Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate someone who just goes in and just, like, continues doing great work. Because those are all things I've noticed the music in.
0: Again, just showing up and doing your job.
1: Yeah. It's amazing people do that. <laughs> cinematographer on this was Chong Chong Hoon who is another really interesting cinematographer who has gotten a little more recognition internationally lately. Mm. In 2015, he did Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. In 2017, he did It Chapter One. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if he, I don't think he did the second one, but he did the first one. He did a movie you and I watched together, Hotel Artemis, Mm -hmm. which was really fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, When we sit down and do Snowpiercer for real, you'll notice some similarities between how that looks. He didn't do Snowpiercer, but it looks like that movie to me had a lot of influence from Snowpiercer. Right. If that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And most recently, he did Zombieland Double Tap, which I have not seen, but the trailer looked nice. Zombieland's always kind of been a um, source of meh for me. Same. It's fine. Yeah. I don't have anything against it.
0: Yeah. It's alright.
1: But what's exciting is he shot for Edgar Wright for his new movie that's coming up last night in Soho.
0: Oh, shit. I can't wait and to see that. We're big
1: Edgar Wright fans here, and he always picks very interesting cinematographers
0: Ooh, that's gonna be good. Guys, I can't wait. I'm so
1: stoked. I was Let already excited about here. it, but didn't realize that he was working on this, and so I'm just like already. Let me like, out of here. Let's go. Let <laughs> me
0: go see a movie. Hopefully in a few months.
1: <laughs> oh, also most significantly, he shot Old Boy.
0: He shot Old Boy? Yeah. Well damn.
1: Yeah, so this dude, again, very, very this this is a movie who really had like the crew on this was well selected.
0: Butter my button, call me a biscuit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess quarantine brings out the Georgia in you, huh? So let's get into the movie, shall we? Oh, this movie was noted for having a lot of buzz around it. This was a very... It, this is a fairly expensive movie to shoot. I mean, six and a half million US. Yeah, that's... It's not cheap. That's, that's not, not cheap. It's not no. a giant budget. I mean, it's not one of these fucking Marvel movies or some shit like that, but it's not a cheap movie. No. Um, it's kind of over... The it's out of the like sort of indie range, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though it still feels a little indie. Yeah, in certain that's ways,
0: that's true. That's true. It does feel a little indie.
1: Like for reference, six million is probably one. It would be in the upper five percent of what A twenty four spends on average on its movies. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what we're looking at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I said, this came out in two thousand five. Same year as the Descent, which we have not covered on the podcast, but we have mentioned and talked about. It's a movie that we both really like and hate.
0: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Not one or both of us, just at the same time.
0: It's a freaky movie. It the is Descent. a
1: freaky movie. Yeah, we'll be talking a little more about that. Yeah. As well, editing from Kim Sunmin, who I don't have any information on, unfortunately. And then yeah, distributed by Showbox Entertainment, who has a very cute graphic when they pick <laughs> up their films.
0: Like Showbox. Uh,
1: yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't make back its budget. It's a little surprising to me that it didn't. Mm-hmm. It's a very strong movie. And it's one of those that was a surprising box office—not flop, but disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, because it only it came shy by about a million bucks mm-hmm. on its box office and returns. So, little pulling back the curtain here. A lot of times, I am using a Wikipedia or IMDb plot summary as a cheat sheet to help me with these plots, even though I have my own notes and everything. A lot of times, I still will pull that up just to help me make sure I don't miss big things. There are no good plot summaries of this movie anywhere to be found. <laughs> no, it's all just like
0: it. It's all just like the description that you would see like underneath, you know, the Netflix title,
1: right? So or like on the back of a DVD box.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna do our best. Um, to recap here we apologize if we miss anything we're working off of both of our memories so hopefully it'll yeah. be all right
1: so luckily the plot's not too too different it's very straight it's straightforward, a very straightforward
0: plot, it's very yeah. straightforward and it is a very classic horror film plot where you have a group mm. of a group of people in this in this movie it's a group of explorers going on an expedition in Antarctica that's right and of course, issues happen and the movie kind of follows those issues and the deaths, like how how the different people, yeah, it's very, yeah. We don't really go, we don't go back in time really at all. So this should be actually pretty straightforward and Mm -hmm. won't take us too long here so we can actually get to talking about the good stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. So like Nicole said, we have a group of six explorers. They are South Korean explorers who have launched from a base camp in Antarctica the South Pole continent place mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to find a shorter way to say that because I have such a hard time with that word <laughs> Oy.
0: so our guys they're trying to reach the pole of inaccessibility mm-hmm. which first of all what does that even mean Tell me a let pole, me know
1: a pole of inaccessibility is just sort of a broad term basically what it means it's a it's a point with respect to geographical criterion of inaccessibility marks. A pole of inaccessibility with respect to geographical criteria of inaccessibility marks a location that is the most challenging to reach according to that criteria. Often it refers to the most distant point from the coastline, implying a maximum degree of continentality or oceanity. Got it. In these cases, pole of inaccessibility can be defined as the center of the largest circle that can be drawn within an area of interest without encountering a coast where a coast is imprecisely defined, the pole will be similarly imprecise. What the fuck does that mean? It means it's the, the real South Pole. Like, not the magnetic yeah, one, necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah.
0: Are- I'm completely unsure why they want to get there. Yeah,
1: so there are things like It doesn't
0: this. really um, matter, but if you're curious, like I am... Right. You know, you just assume that they're, you know, trying to find something that... Go into uncharted territory, I guess. Yeah,
1: So why is always an interesting question with explorations, and it's one that I definitely ask a lot, because... I do not understand why in the world someone would want to walk through Antarctica.
0: Guys, it's my worst nightmare. Like this movie opens and I'm just like, <laughs> nope, I'm out. I hate snow. I n- I realize that I live in New York, but I hate snow.
1: There's not much snow here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, global warming. It's been getting, we've been getting less and less every year. But still, I I will look at snow out of my window. I'm happy to do that. I think it's... Beautiful. I love to like, I will put watch some
1: drunk cocktails and watch or drunk like uh, uh Coco's and watch the thing during a snowstorm.
0: Yeah, but I'm inside with heat.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: I will look at photos of Antarctica, I will watch the nature shows, I will watch it from afar, but you will not catch me I will
1: squeal over some penguins.
0: Yeah, you will not catch me trying to go there. Nope. <laughs> so I'm already horrified when this movie starts. Yeah. Basically is what I'm trying to say. You couldn't pay me enough money to right. do what they're doing.
1: So essentially what they're trying to do is get to, I just pulled up the coordinates because it's in this article because we see them in the, we see them in the, the movie as well. So 82 degrees, six feet, I guess. I don't know. It's a little tick mark South and 54 degrees, 58, whatever East. So that's where the Russian or the Soviet pole of inaccessibility was. Okay. Okay. It's about 878 kilometers, which is about 550 miles, from the actual magnetic South Pole. Okay. But it's basically as far as you can get, is the idea. As right? far as
0: you can get before so, like, what happens to because, you. Because, because, well, because, the abominable snowman fucking <laughs> what?
1: Now, it's more challenging. The idea is that it's more challenging because it's the actual center of Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So the South Pole is not the center of Antarctica, right? Right. It's not, a, it's not a true circle yeah. originating from a point. So it's the furthest that's why it's it's so it's the furthest from any coastline. Right. So there's like there would be one in North America as well. There's one in Oceania, there's like all these sorts of things, of like these places that are the furthest from some sort of Yeah defined point.
0: I get that.
1: I think it's just the challenge of it, like can we do this? What is there? Yada yada yada. Men are so stupid. I don't disagree.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I shouldn't judge for other people's interests, but I mean, I it's just... why do
1: people climb Everest, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I'm um, s- I'm sorry to anyone who's an explorer out there. I don't mean to offend.
1: <laughs> I'm not sorry. Y'all won't even listen to this. You're up on top of mountains and shit, and I'm safe and happy and home in my little slides. <laughs> Cute Adidas slides. I love them. But they don't sponsor us, so I'm not. Pl- I'm not plugging them.
0: Mm. <laughs> we're we're open.
1: We are open to sponsorship. Yes, that is true. Call us Adidas. <laughs> we'll
0: wear all those slides.
1: I absolutely will.
0: I want one in every color.
1: Yes, please. So basically, yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to get to this point, right? Mm-hmm. That is semi arbitrary, but it's a thing. That's and our they, goal, right? Yeah. This is our this is our plot. And they just <laughs> each
0: have like a sled that they're pulling, right? They have one sled each, filled with supplies, and they have this one, like, rickety-looking tent. I'm sure they bought it at, like, REI or, you know, something (laughs) like that. I'm sure it's really nice and, like, state-of-the-art, but I'm also just kind of like, yo, y'all are sleeping on snow. How is this plastic-ass tent keeping you warm? I don't know anything about camping. I've been to REI a few times, but that is my extent of knowing how to survive (laughs) outside. So, I'm really... Out of my depth here.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that it's really fucking tough. So, like, at the beginning of the movie, there's a pre-roll that has, like, the whole... Yeah. Uh, setting the stakes situation. Yeah. So no one... At, according to this movie, and I believe this was still true at the time, I was trying to look through the, uh, the article about who's reached it. So the only team up until this point that had reached the pull of inaccessibility that we knew of was a Soviet Union team in
0: 1958.
1: Yes. They had gone there and left a basically like staked a a flag in or whatever and done like hey we did it Mm -hmm. and we're able to get back out and everything i don't think that they died as far as i know Uh, i didn't look that far into it so in the movie this is like no one else has ever been able to do it yeah in uh 50 almost 50 years but
0: people have tried
1: right yes so and in fact the leader of this team has tried yes one other member of this team was with him that's right so, yeah, we have, six, we have six men who are out. We sort of join them in Medius Race, right? Like, we don't start the journey with them. They are already mid-journey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a big deal. There's a bunch of press about it. They've got, like, a, uh, they're going live via satellite, yada, yada. And uh, we see them be very cute together and joke about who's the cook and how great he is. And then they, they make a uh, Arctic Antarctic snow or ice cake.
0: That was really with cute. With little fruits
1: and everything. Yeah. And they talk about how old the snow is. Like the top layer is 50 years old because it, we always forget that Antarctica is a desert.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Because uh, it has like less than, is it less than 10 inches or less than 10 centimeters, whatever. It's like only snows like five centimeters a year.
0: Yeah. There.
1: So there's not, there's no rainfall or precipitation. Yeah. So it's a cool little like science moment. And they're like looking at the layers and like this layer is 100 years old. This layer is older than like anybody, anybody, anybody. Right. Yeah,
0: that was that was kind of cool and just something I've never, never thought to think of. <laughs>
1: right, I'm sure David Attenborough said something to me at some point, but not he's... personally. Just watching. That and <laughs> I was gonna say, you got you got his morning. number. <laughs> I wish. I hope he's safe right now. I
0: hope he's doing all right.
1: Please, please, please be quarantined, sir. Yeah, we love you. Save him. Like I said, yeah, we join them in the middle of the journey. We see their sort of command base operator, uh, the only woman in the film. Yeah, and we only ever see her over the. TV screen, or uh, I guess we, we we cut to her a couple of times, a few times, the, yeah, yeah, in the base camp.
0: Yeah, and they're trying to reach this point obviously before it becomes you know dark for yeah. a few months because it's light for a few months, dark for a few months, and yeah, six
1: and six, I think is what they said.
0: Yeah, so throughout the movie, we have kind of like this countdown. Yeah, like how how far they have to go and how many days mm-hmm. they have until sundown. That's right. Yeah.
1: So everything's going fine for a little while. Uh, everybody's in high spirits. They have uh, the captain, who is Sun King Ho, who we talked about. He played Park Geng in The Host. He's the veteran explorer. He's one of two veteran explorers on this trip. The other one is uh, Jae Kyung.
0: And he's the quote-unquote captain right. of this particular expedition.
1: And we have the lieutenant in the glasses, yes. Young Min, mm-hmm. who is uh, sort of their like charts and maps guy.
0: Of course, because he's wearing glasses. Exactly. It's telegraphed
1: yeah. just straight to us. It is funny, those things <laughs> that are like sort of universally accepted. Yeah, that um, is kind of funny. He's so, the maps
0: guy. He wears glasses. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: knows the tech things. I'm sure he could hack anything. Just type really fast into a computer and like suddenly, I'm in. <laughs> They're going along, and, oh, and the captain makes this really beautiful We were saying, like, oh, that was a really gorgeous speech that he made. It's this mm-hmm. very, very inspirational thing, and he talks about how every time they mark down another degree off of uh, for how far they've gotten, they'll drink a little bit of the liquor that they brought with them as like yeah. a celebration.
0: Mm-hmm. Trying to have fun with it, you know? Yeah,
1: and it's the sort of, like, kickoff toast. Like, they they haven't gotten into the hard part yet. I was reading each of the sleds is, like, 300 kilos. Wow. That they're dragging, which is not that bad considering that you're, like, just on snow.
0: I just don't but like to carry anything, so I don't like either. I hate carrying things. Please don't, <laughs> let me,
1: please don't make me carry things. I hate doing it.
0: Anyone who's listening to this is going to be like, "Wow, she's a brat."
1: I'm a brat too. Yeah,
0: I don't give a fuck.
1: I don't, I don't give a. Now we get into the real shit. So they are trudging through, and they find this weird flag. Like, what the fuck is this?
0: It's all tattered and That's ancient. Ancient.
1: So they cra- They dig it up. It's a box. They crack it open, and inside is a very, very old leather-bound journal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the pages are kind of destroyed; they're a little bit frozen together, but it's pres- it's preserved as well as way better than you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the is sort of the point. So as they are going through this, uh, the captain hands uh, Minjai, the youngest member of the crew, the journal, mm-hmm. and says, "This is your responsibility. You're going to go through this. You this is for you." Like it's sort of like an, it's a really nice nod. To the youngest member of the team of, like, you also get to carry some responsibility for this. Some sort of reward, so yes. to speak. Yes, yes. Jin might also, uh, one of the first things we see is that Jin Mai almost dies. Mm-hmm. And the captain rescues him from falling into a hole, because that's a big, scary thing that can happen in the Antarctic, is that you don't know when you're going to just suddenly find a chasm, because mm-hmm. it's not a solid piece of land. Yeah. So that's the... Uh, that's the terrifying part of the film. We see that a couple times with like holes popping up.
0: Yeah. It's like, the ice. again, just being there is already terrifying.
1: Exactly. Because I'm not a penguin and I don't belong there.
0: I need a drink. <laughs> Help.
1: Help. It reminds me, there's um, a Top Gear special that they did before the host all left and created the Grand Tour where they were trying to reach the North Pole and it was two of them versus the other one. One was taking a dog sled team. The others were driving uh, this amazing pickup truck that can do anything and is impossible to destroy, basically. So they they decided they were technically in international waters. The two hosts were in the truck. Mm -hmm. So they started just drinking gin and tonics and driving through the North Pole. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was like, well, technically there are no laws there. So respect, you can drink and drive in the North Pole, I guess. All right. <laughs> not going to hit any kids. I guess that's morally permissible. Sure. Don't drink and drive.
0: Yeah. Do don't not leave go your down. House. Yeah. Right now, don't leave your house. <laughs> drink at home.
1: It's so great to drink at home.
0: It's way less expensive, too. We've gotten
1: really far afield. Sorry. Oh, that shit. Was a great... I, I liked that aside, though. I thought it was cute drinking gin and tonics driving through the North Pole.
0: I think it's funny.
1: It's okay, the only way so do it. so they are almost
0: dies falling yeah, into a hole. Right. Captain saves him. Back on track.
1: Yes, there we go. We are full circled around. So Jim and I has a journal. He's going through it. He discovers a bunch of drawings in it, and he is only able to siphon out like some of what's written in there and everything like that. Yeah, this
0: journal is creepy.
1: All it really is, but it's gorgeous. It's, it's just amazing set dressing. This journal. Yeah. The, all the charcoal drawings and the accuracy of how it would have been done. So basically it details a, pre- a previously unheard of expedition by a group of six British explorers in mm-hmm. 1922. Mm -hmm. who had also attempted to reach the pole of inaccessibility. Yeah. Probably before that was even a thing, that Mm -hmm. people knew what it was. I would have guessed that that was before that was, like, fully measured out. It was probably just, like, let's reach the South Pole sort of thing. Yeah. So they notice this... uh, Jin Mai is talking to Gunshan, who is our very cute... uh, He's the resident cook in the beginning. I I
0: like him. He's so cute. I think he's my favorite. His big
1: curly hair. He's just kind of goofy.
0: Yeah, I I call him the one with the hair.
1: Yeah. But he's adorable, and he's great, and it seems like him and Jim Mai are good buddies. Because
0: I love his hair.
1: I do love his hair.
0: It's so fun. And of course, he's the cook. Again, it's a universally, like, yeah accepted, like, chefs have, like, big hair, and map guys oh, wow. have glasses.
1: Yeah, shit. I'm just thinking about all the cooks with big hair I can think of. There's Ratatouille with yeah. uh, Linguini. He has big curly hair. Yeah there's, weirdly, I don't know why I thought of this, Accepted, if you ever saw that movie.
0: I did not, but we are getting off track again.
1: But the, there's a there's a kid in the fake community college they create who has big hair, and he's the chef. Yeah. And, like, so, yeah, there's all this fucking... Every single time there's a chef, they've got big hair. Is that's, that why I'm good at cooking? I don't know. It's full of... My hair's just full of cooking secrets. Yeah,
0: I think that's what it
1: is. Perfect.
0: But yeah, so, so far, with these characters, we've got two just universally, like...
1: Yeah, we've got some stereotypes you know, that apparently cross waters, yeah, and borders.
0: Big hair, chef, glasses, glasses. map guy.
1: <laughs> Everybody's got their little personality things. It's hard to tell everyone apart in the movie, and I think that that's important to some degree that we'll dive into later. Well, uh, they're but, all yeah, wearing the parkas. same,
0: pretty much the same parka, and they're mm-hmm. all they've always obviously got like their hoods up and stuff. Yeah, um, so you can almost barely see half of their faces most of the time. Right, and a lot of the movie, like when they're in the tent, is like a little bit dark, and yeah, so it is a little bit like learning about the characters is a little bit tough in this yeah. film. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that you're meant to care about any of them
1: as they are going forward. Tensions start to rise a little bit here and there because weird shit starts happening suddenly. Jake Young, who is an older, he's a middle-aged guy, but he's been like. Climbing and doing adventures and exploring for 20 some years. He was the one who I believe had been on this expedition with the captain before. Yeah. Suddenly he just like blacks out. And yeah. suddenly it starts, they, they make a note that like, this is the, they've passed the point where viruses can no longer exist. No life can exist beyond this point. Yeah. And so it's very, very, they're like, it's so weird. He doesn't have a, vi- he can't possibly have a virus. And
0: yet he's and like yet, very sick. He yeah, can't,
1: they like get he's back. pneumonia or something. This is so yeah. weird.
0: Yeah. They get back to base and he can't even eat. He says he's nauseous. Yeah. And yeah, it it really doesn't make any sense because, yeah, like you said, they're past the point of where a virus can survive. Yeah. So, um... Particularly
1: any truly biotic life, yeah.
0: Yeah, so they're really just not sure what the fuck is going on, but they still decide to press on, even though, God, even though this guy, he says, I I need to call the rescue. This is like the next, after they wake up, they're off continuing to walk, and he says I need to I really just want to go home I really want to call the rescue like I cannot walk anymore I can barely yeah. breathe like all of this stuff and um, our captain he tells him to like ignore what he's feeling basically and just like press on like he gets he gets way too tunnel vision in my opinion and I turned to you and I said "Oh, men always do this shit where they like try to push <laughs> they try to push their bodies to an extreme and they don't listen to them when this guy is like trying to listen to his body and he knows that something is really wrong yeah. and something that cannot be fixed by, like, being out in the cold and walking to God knows where. But the captain won't let him.
1: Yeah, well, one defense of the captain here is that I know a lot of explorers talk about this, people who do these big expeditions, is that your body actually can do those things. It's like what marathon runners talk about. Like, you think you can't do it, and then you just, like, suddenly do. And suddenly you've done it.
0: I mean, yeah. So there's, like,
1: the press through. You are right. Like, this guy definitely should have given up because of what's about to happen. But it's one of those things of, like, the captain it would know this, and so would Jake Young. They would both know that there's going... That, that At some point, you just start putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And you get to bathe... Break camp and everything, and then you are okay again. Yeah, and, and so I'm it's sure one of those things of, like you have to. It's the mental aspect of it, as opposed to the physical aspect of it.
0: Yeah, I get that, and I'm sure I was just I was also biased to knowing this is a horror film. Like, if you feel like you need to turn back, you should probably l- listen to right. that inner voice. But I don't know. I just. I just think that also knowing the captain after after this film, yes. I'm just like, he was very selfish and mm-hmm. just very like tunnel vision and...
1: Oh, definitely. But at this point in the movie, I think that he was... There is a, I think you're supposed to believe there's some defense of this, that he is kind of right about what he's no, saying. No,
0: that's definitely true because there is a kind of a tug of war of what you're supposed to feel mm-hmm. towards the captain. Yes. Is he a good captain or is he a bad captain? We don't know. Right. Well, because so, even uh,
1: Minjai had said already that he remembers seeing the captain after he had just gotten back from Everest on TV. Yeah. And how it, just, it made him want to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think it's a good, I think it was really purposeful that it was between him and the captain because mm. we are supposed to be conflicted, I think. And that's something, um, just an intricacy between characters. Yeah. But yeah, so they press on and he's kind of lagging behind. Right. Because he's having trouble breathing and walking, and then they just eventually lose him.
1: Well, because the captain tells Minjai to keep an eye on him, but not yeah. make it look like he's keeping an eye on him because it'll hurt his pride and make him... Yes. ...stubborn and think... Like, there's... I understand... Which was mentality. a good move. That I was a good yeah, move. I understand yeah. the psychological aspects of that, right? Yeah. And this is what I... This is what... This is good writing. Absolutely. Here. And well, that's going to be the first point where I say, fuck yeah, bonjour, Oh, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, is that when you write a character, when you, when you write these scenarios, they have to be believable to a point.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be stretching belief at certain points. So you make it as believable as you can, wherever you can. Yeah. Part of that believability is, yeah, men just be dumb. Men be dumb. <laughs> but the other part of that is that, yeah, there is a mental aspect of that sort of what we call the will to overcome these things
0: yeah that's so, that's very true.
1: so if your pride is suffering, then you're gonna suffer physically absolutely right? brain the brain is physical and nothing else there's nothing special about it. so when it
0: it's all connected. Yeah, when
1: you when you affect one organ, the rest of the system is affected. Yada yada yada, right? So that's the the explanation here is that like, okay, yeah, sure, it makes sense that like he needs to press through, and even and the captain even says like he did this uh, the last time or whatever.
0: Right, then that that makes a little bit more sense to me, and I feel yeah. a little bit more towards the captain but yeah right
1: at least at this point that will change that will change (laughs) so minjai was supposed to keep an eye on him he keeps looking back keeps looking back but the wind is kicking up the snow is being whipped off the ground and he loses sight of him Mm -hmm. and also minjai starts to have visions and blackout and meanwhile through all of this we've been seeing little bits and pieces of creepy shit start happening uh we see an eye under the ice at one point Mm -hmm. uh we see this minjai was looking at the He's talking to Gunchan about the draw- one of the drawings in the diary, and it's the captain of the crew hunched over in front of a fire. Yeah. And he says, doesn't he remind you of our captain?
0: Yeah, it's then one of... And it cuts
1: of- to him uh, crouched with his back to us, and we see a faint white hand in front of him.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's your very typical, like, suspenseful horror film, like, little tidbits of, yeah. like, of, like, yep, this is not going to go well for any of these people. No.
1: So min is woken up by the rest of the crew. No one knows where Jae-kyung is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jae-kyung is. Uh, and they suddenly get hit with a whiteout. And they're trying to find him. They can't, and they can't, and they can't. But they do find... Well, min finds his lighter. And as soon as he's about to set off his flare, another flare goes off. And they... have f- uh, he runs over to them and it's the frozen body of one of the British explorers Ugh. from the 22 expedition. Yeah. They can't find when uh, Jae Kyung and the captain is like, well, we have to press on. <laughs> like, what? And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have to press on. We can't just sit here looking for him. Like, wh- we're going to run out of food. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like, we only have a certain amount of supplies. Well, of course, as they're, as our map man, Young Men, is counting, accounting for what was lost when Jae Kyung's when Jake Young was lost with his sled? Yes. He says, okay, well, this, 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 this. It's not too bad what he was carrying. It seems like it was mostly non essentials, but he says, certain other items. And they're like, what do you mean certain other items? He goes, cigarettes, whatever you, cigarettes you have left are the ones in your jackets, boys. Which you made a really good
0: point when we were watching this because you turned to me and said, oh, that's a really good touch because now everyone's going to be, you know, just naturally more more on edge without yeah. the nicotine and being able to smoke.
1: It's a hell of a fucking drug. For
0: sure. Yeah. And and I thought that that was a really smart thing to point out um, because, yeah. Yeah. You're you're smart sometimes. Once in a while, i <laughs> Broken I'm clocks and all that. I'm kidding. You're you're very very smart. I wouldn't nah. be I wouldn't be working with a dummy. Yeah, I thought that that was a really important touch because it just you know it just yeah. adds. Uh, they're all like a really nice family, but we all know when you're under pressure and plus you don't have your vices available to you. Yo. that's really tough. So we just know that it's about to, it's just continually just going to go downhill here. Yes. Um, and then it does. then so. it does. And then it gets worse. What the episode was that my, was that my phrase? Oh, fuck. Was it green room? It was green room. <laughs> and then, and it then it gets, gets worse.
1: worse. <laughs> <laughs> the catchphrase of horror babes. Yep. So the next day they're traveling, or some days later, we, we keep getting updates on how many days it's been and how far they've gone and things like that, but it's really fast and it's in white text. Well, because we also, we were watching a stream of this from a website who I won't put on blast, but the subtitles were fucking trash in this. These were really bad subtitles. They
0: clearly didn't go through an editor, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, because we had to find, this this movie was a little hard to find, and so sorry about that, but it is... I fuck it. I'm not gonna put them on blast because they well you have to you have to
0: you have to yeah you have to pay for it anyway um yeah. you you can find it on there and rent it for 299 yeah and that's what we did last night but yeah the the subtitles clearly did not go through an editor there are a lot of grammar errors and just spelling mistakes yeah. and spelling mistakes and just you know I think it it is it is hard to translate sometimes, especially if oh, it's definitely. a cultural difference. Mm-hmm. So it was we understood what was going on. We think yeah. you know, like for the most it was part, just a little tough in it parts. was just a little tough in parts where we were like, "Oh, I think that word was supposed to be that," you yeah. know. But it's common sense, so don't let that scare you away. Just makes
1: you appreciate good subtitles, is all.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So they're traveling along some amount of time later, and now we have our next guy, Sung who has been jealous of minjai the whole time mm-hmm. and is angry and he's been a little bit testy the whole time and he gets down we he see him the cigarettes comes up real fast mm-hmm. so the captain's like we're pressing on we're pressing on he's the one who had been fighting with jae kyung about the radio being on while he's trying to chart their course and jae kyung is the lieutenant and he's just like look we're going where the captain says we i believe in the captain we're going to do what the captain says mm-hmm. Hoon is pissed he reaches in his jacket for a cigarette, pulls it out. There's one left. Mm. And that's when he snaps and yep. just beats the shit out of Jae hmm Which ends up dropping him into a chasm. So the chasm opens up underneath him. It's big. They drop the rope down to try and get him. And the captain's looking down at him. And there's a couple things that happen here. The captain's nose starts bleeding. Yeah. And, and it drips onto... Drips it, on great to... shot of it dripping onto his... Goggles. That was a cool
0: shot, yeah. And uh, and something in his eyes, like his, they they yeah. make a point to um Zoom have through, a shot yeah. of his eyes, and they look just like a little like a little bloodshot, but a also wild, you know? just wild, yeah, yeah. like large uh, dilated pupils mm-hmm. and um a little
1: reddish, yeah,
0: yeah. So you're you obviously it, it feels like he's being possessed. If you've ever seen a possession yeah. movie, you're kind of like, it's okay, this is what might be, yeah. yeah.
1: So he also. Sees something holding on to Sung back, and then we get a shot of a small boy falling down that same chasm. Mm-hmm. And then.
0: And at this point, it's been. Or is it later that it's been revealed what happened to his son?
1: It's revealed later. Okay, so we don't know got it. what happened yet. But Sun- we know
0: he doesn't have like close family though, because yeah. they, they said they asked, like, you know, why don't you have they all have photos of their families yes. while they're on this expedition? But the captain doesn't, so uh, there, there's some questioning about that,
1: yeah. Because Minjai asks after Jake Young is disappeared, he's like, Well, where's your picture? If your, if your family goes, mm-hmm. You're my family,
0: exactly. You're like
1: my son, he's like my brother, yada yada yada, right? Mm-hmm. So the captain looks down at Sun Hoon and sees the boy on his back where we see it it's not clear there and they see the boy falling a different boy falling it looks like and then he they have an argument and he lets go of the rope yes because it's a long tense moment of like what's going to happen you know he's gonna drop him
0: yeah it's just a matter of time which uh, builds the tension like you know what's you know what's going on
1: so he drops him And turns around and says, it was an accident. I can't believe that happened or something like that. He's like, oh, no, poor Sung Hoon. But we have to keep moving.
0: Yeah. I was like, I I don't believe you,
1: sir. But also, as soon as that happens, they get hit with that big storm. Yeah. And the four that were left with now bury themselves into a snowbank. And as they pull themselves out, they're like trying to figure everything out. Yeah. And like sort out what's going on. Uh, And Jae Kyung's like, oh, fuck, everything's broken. Like, they tried to contact base with Morse code. They couldn't get a radio signal through because someone had eaten. Was it the captain who ate the chip? I think so. It was hard to keep track of who no, was. No, it
0: was. It was because I was like, yeah. I was like, what's this bitch doing? And then.
1: Yeah, so in the middle of the night, the captain, like, takes a chip out of the when they f- radio when- transistor and, like, eats it.
0: Well, that's when I lost all my trust because fi- base finally got through. Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what is this crazy person doing? They finally... <sighs> and I couldn't tell if at this point, because we've they've displayed some form of, like, potential possession. I yeah. couldn't tell at this point if this was a mixture or if mm. it was something else that made him do that, or if it purely was like, Oh, if we get contact, these guys are going going to want to bail. And yeah. I want to prevent that as much as possible right. as just like wholly the captain. Yeah. So there's always like, which is a sign of a good kind of like possession moment is mm. you have to always be on your toes and wondering who is it 50, 50 or a hundred.
1: Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, JK like like, Oh fuck, everything's broken. Nothing's working. Yada, yada. And he suddenly start, we start seeing doubt from the lieutenant for the first time. Because mm-hmm. up to this point, he's been completely on board.
0: Steadfast.
1: Yeah. But after he saw the captain drop Sung Hoon and then seeing all the equipment broken and everything, he's like, fuck. So they do press on. They divvy up some of the load. And they decide that now that they're a lighter crew, that they're going to take a shortcut through the mountains. Yes. They do post it up. Gun Chun is clearly just like losing it. Mm -hmm. our cook. And he's got the pot of porridge in his hand. My dude. Yeah. Minjai and Jae Kyung are talking with each other and expressing their concerns. And that's when Jae Kyung tells Minjai about this captain's son. So the previous time they'd tried this expedition, the captain's son had called him and said, please come home, please come home. There's something in the apartment. I'm scared. I don't want to be here alone. And the captain told him to be strong and toughen up and be a strong young man. And the son falls to his death from the fifteenth floor. Mm-hmm. He was like ten years old.
0: And of note, the son did say that there, like, there was something. In there was game. something white. Yes, and like that was a very clear word that mm-hmm. the hands that we've been seeing. You know, you right. you make a you make a comparison there.
1: And meanwhile, the captain's off exploring this weird ice cave. Yeah, yeah.
0: The captain just keeps <laughs> leaving. Yeah, and they That's they the call yeah. they call it out. They're yes. like. Why does he keep leaving? Where is he Where is going? He? Out. Out. Just out. Just out. Yeah. Is what keeps being said. So you're just like, what the fuck is this guy doing?
1: So, the next day, they've been walking again. They're walking again. They're walking again. Oh, and Gunshan sees that his he says, "Is this altitude sickness?" because they're very high up now.
0: Yeah, we see that nasty toe. Yeah. Cuz um the
1: potential we don't know if it's frostbite yet, but it looks like frostbite. Cuz he
0: drops porridge on his sock, so right. he takes off all of his socks he's wearing like 15 pair Mm -hmm. um and then yeah
1: fair i would be too maybe he should have worn a a 16th pair
0: yeah because we see this like rotten ass toe
1: yeah we see some frostbite and he he says is this altitude sickness or um or is that real and we don't get the answer Mm -mm. right away we don't so they're traveling on the next day and Jake Young finds the broken equipment he had dropped there Mm -hmm. before oh because the captain had destroyed something Yes. And he was like, oh shit, this is the same thing. How did we walk back in a circle? It says we're in a different, like the GPS says we're in a different place. What the fuck? So the captain (laughs) says, you know what? Screw your technology. I've got a compass right here.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So they used to just do this with compasses and maps and not all this fancy electric equipment. We can do it too. Mm -hmm. So they press on, they press on, they press on. Uh, Jack Young is pissed now. He's like, We need to activate the emergency signal. They will find us. They will come get us. We have no food left. We are going to die. Yeah. It's time to be done with this. Uh,. And the captain takes his glasses and just crunches them.
0: And he says that line that's like, "You now you can't be afraid of anything because you can't see it. And I'm like, damn, bro.
1: That's a dope line, though. Damn. That's some real just like fucking burn the ground behind your troops so they can't return. Yeah. <laughs> so they march on and eventually they're fighting their way through this this blizzard. It's awful. And they find a cabin?
0: Yeah. Where? What? How we found two
1: cabins. Two cabins. Where did that wood come from? There's no wood there.
0: Yeah. Did these guys just like bring like before them just bring all this wood, just build yeah. this place like
1: so weird, confusing. So my guess is what I guessed is that they just some what some previous expedition had brought wood in to build like a Ford base. Yeah. Essentially, is my guess. I mean that has to believe to, that
0: has to be. Yeah. It. I can't think of any one other one or
1: both of the previous expeditions that must have done it. We yeah. know at least the English did, and I'm guessing probably the Russians maybe did too. So they're camped out. Jae Kyung is finally fully out on the captain. Gun Chan is fully out on the captain. The captain keeps walking out and going out, and... Oh, sorry. Jae Kyung and Minjai both collapse,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and
1: Gun Chan and the captain drag them into the cabin. That's what happens. Yeah. Min Jai wakes up. We don't see Gun Chan. Jae Kyung is crashed out in the corner, and the captain is just sort of doing captain things. Then Jai goes out and finds Gunchan and he's freaking out, trying to get the tent up and trying to, like, he's going to die in the cold. And he's just like, I don't trust the captain anymore. I won't be around him. I won't sleep next to him. I have to get the tent up because I won't sleep in there with him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Jai talks him down, brings him inside, lays him down, gets him all, tries to get him all warmed up. The captain leaves and Jae Kyung wakes up and they're talking. He's like, look, I I can't steal anything. I can't do this. This is absurd. We're all going to die and it's going to be the captain's fault. Jae Kyung leaves in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. We see him steal the E.L.T., take a backpack, and go off into the into the white. And that song that he liked was playing.
0: Yes, the opera
1: mm-hmm. that he had playing in the tape deck. Mm-hmm. That's what he had destroyed. The captain had destroyed. Yeah, but that's sort of like his his music cue. Um, and Jai wakes up in the middle of the night as well and goes off looking for Jake Young. And this is where we have that cool intercut scene where we have the captain discuss like taking off. Gunchan's sock and looking at his foot and like calling him a bad little boy for not telling him about it. Yeah. Uh, and just fully crazy now.
0: It's, yeah, it's completely sinister.
1: Minjai follows Jai Kyung to, he's like following his footsteps and he follows him to another cabin.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: Jai Kyung's nowhere to be seen. And Minjai sees what happened to the English expedition. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of dead bodies and a sing- that drawing of the captain. Yeah. Which is a nice creepy moment because who drew the captain? If he was the last one. Yeah. So he then finds Jae Kyung who has slit his wrist with his pickaxe mm-hmm. and tried to activate the ELT there. And that's when he did it because he's like, oh, the captain separated the battery from it. He knew we would try this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, we're all going to die. This is it. And this He's just like bleeding out. is trying to stop the bleeding. It's like, no, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And this is what convinces him, like, nope, the captain's done. Yeah. We are done with this. So he runs back to the original cabin, can't get in. Meanwhile, the captain has cut off Gunchan's foot.
0: Cute.
1: Gunchan's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Because he's been drugged up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, the captain goes, oh, it's a shame. We were going to drink this when we reached the POI. And he just dumps out all the liquor onto Gunchan's foot. Like, that's going <sighs> to do something. Right. So Gunchan's bleeding out. Minjai Attacks the captain and beats the ever-loving shit out of him. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: He calls him a naughty boy because what kind of son would strike his father? Only a bastard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Jai finally... uh, And then the storm just blows over the cabin. Yeah. He wakes up underneath a beam, makes two graves for the captain and for Gunchan. Packs up and is just like, fuck it. I guess I've got to get to the point of inaccessibility. I'm
0: the last one standing. And he does. He does. He He makes it. Mm-hmm.
1: and suddenly the captain's there with him yeah like, he, like suddenly what he's the like fuck? trudged through and he's like what the fuck yeah the captain activates the elt with the battery back in it hands it to him and walks on past yeah and that's the last we see that's it until we see the journal again back at the beginning ah uh. <laughs> oh man what a fucking movie huh
0: yeah I have I have conflicting feelings about it for sure. Like there are some elements of it that I really like mm-hmm. and I thought were done incredibly well, but there are some parts of it that I'm just kinda like, eh, about. Like I I found it I, I've I found the plot a little bit boring in, in certain areas. That's um, fair. but I think this movie plays on our fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. In kind of the same way as that movie The Descent does. Yes. Um, Like, I don't know too many people who go spelunking in caves. Like, it's a small percentage of the population, I think. And I think a lot of people, it's a very common fear. Yes. Right? And I think playing on the unknown, again, I don't know many people who have gone on an expedition in Antarctica. Literally zero. Yeah. I don't know a single soul. So I'm sure that's, I, I'm pretty positive. I'm pretty confident in my statistic that it's a small percentage yeah. of people who have actually done that. So I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like as a viewer, you're like, yeah, it could be like that, I guess. Like, I'm sure it is. And, and also having, you know, the explorers that went there before them and kind of like retelling that story through this new group, like the right. same thing. They're kind of just doomed. Mm-hmm. From the start, is a very classic horror film theme, yeah. which I thought was cool, and I thought the acting in this was incredible.
1: Yeah, really powerful acting.
0: It just wasn't my favorite. I I, I liked it, and I I respected, and I loved seeing something that Bong Joon Ho just wrote and did not, mm-hmm. um, also direct. Like I I thought that that was really interesting, a good experiment for us. But just overall, I was kind of like. Right.
1: You know, I, I liked it because overall, I would say I really enjoyed it. It was nice to see something from a different director, like you said, that was involved Bong Joon-ho, but wasn't entirely his project. Yeah. So one thing that I really appreciated was the no frills of it.
0: Yeah. we. I mean, we we said this in the last episode, how simple.
1: Yeah. The host was. Yeah. The host
0: was. And... this movie is definitely simple which is is an element that i enjoyed about it i liked how straightforward the plot was i just thought that like just for me personally it wasn't like groundbreaking no because i
1: mean there's not as much character exploration as you could have done in this and there's not as much like the the some of the simplicity what we had talked about in the host is that the simplicity allowed you to do more yeah with character development with like what's going on with world building all of this stuff right yeah this didn't do a lot of that what this did was
0: yeah and i think that might have been like what it was missing for me
1: yeah and i understand not revealing the monster so to speak
0: yeah that was fine with me you don't need to reveal a monster
1: here's the thing is that it's I, i there's there's a good and bad version of that bad version would be the descent right revealing the monster
0: yeah. Um, That's one
1: thing I really didn't like about the movie. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I do want to compare and co- contrast these movies because they are similar ideas and they came out in the same year.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with you there that I don't, I think it's a stronger choice not to reveal the monster mm-hmm. because, yeah, I, I think it does kind of take you, it takes you out of it. Like, but I like want to know a little before.
1: bit more about the monster. I want to know how a little bit more about how it operates. Or I want to believe that yeah. the filmmakers knew what it was Yeah, a bit more. yeah. I feel... My guess is that they probably had a pretty strong idea of at least something written about. It just it
0: just maybe didn't come through.
1: Yeah, in it didn't the end. make final cut in some way or yeah. something like that because we we get the sense that there's some sort of sinister thing in Antarctica that generates this because of the way the journal migrates back to the beginning.
0: Yes, exactly. And
1: like the oh, and like Sung Hoon had stolen the journal from Minjai. Yeah. And he dies at the bottom of a cavern, and yet suddenly Minjai has the journal again.
0: Yeah, so it's it
1: and that's I, something that that's that was a dramatic irony moment because the we knew that but the characters didn't.
0: Yeah, I I definitely there was something missing in this movie for me mm-hmm. and I think that maybe if it had just gone one step further it would have been like extremely entertaining to me. Yeah. I don't know I I don't know which step you know, that, that that's something that yeah. can be explored different avenues. But I think that if one more step had been taken as far as diving into something, I would have connected more with this movie as something that I would have enjoyed more. But I
1: totally agree with you. That's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. Like, but I,
0: it wasn't bad. I recommend it. No, it's a it. very good movie. Yeah. I think I think people should certainly watch it. I just um, I just didn't find it to be like groundbreaking. And maybe that's because <laughs> it came out in 2005. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know, it um, could be. but it is somewhat similar to the Descent, um, and I think that where the Descent—this is not a podcast about the Descent, obviously—but <laughs> I think where they did mess up is they had too much going on, this, and this yeah. movie did not commit that sin for sure.
1: Yeah, so yeah. the Descent has all those weird plot lines in it that just don't don't, don't need to be there, and again, mm-hmm. it's it relies way too heavily on CGI. Like that movie is freaky as fuck without there being monsters.
0: And then they added in, it's kind of a distraction.
1: Yeah, because they all look like Bat Boy.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, they do look like, a, lot, a lot like Bat Boy. But yeah, so I mean, I appreciate that this movie didn't do that, but I wanted maybe a middle ground.
1: I, I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think that's what I was trying to get at. It's like, give me something more about how this thing operates or what it is or what it does to people. Yeah. So we had talked about this off mic, how the captain is losing his mind, and you're not sure if it's... Antarctica doing it to him? Yeah. And then it, even if it is, what is it about Antarctica? Is there some sort of haunting entity that lives here? Yeah. Or it is it his own personal demons? Is it a combination of all those things?
0: Exactly. Because uh, that it's obviously a question you're supposed to ask yourself throughout the film because you get tidbits of information. Mm-hmm. Like you find out that the what happened to his son kind of correlates to what's happening to them now like the Mm. the white figure or whatever that he was seeing and then also you find out that that happened when he was on the same expedition yeah so you're kind of like okay is it is he haunted or is is it it something about
1: him in particular
0: is it something about him in particular or is it I don't know. It it makes you ask a lot of questions because you're like, is it the person who is quote unquote the captain? But mm-hmm. I don't know if he was the captain in his first expedition.
1: I think he was
0: because it can't it can't just be him if it happened to the uh, British right. explorers before,
1: I right? Something about this path too because the Soviets made it through fine, M- far as we, in the, at least in the myth mythology of the movie. Yeah, the Soviets were fine, ish. Uh, yeah, it's like so... it
0: raises the question of like what did they do differently or mm. did did someone I don't know is it cursed from the soviets like is it did someone die and they're haunting it now? I don't know.
1: It's a yeah.
0: It's it's a question that is is a good question to have pop up in a movie that is kind of a haunting situation. So right. that's really well done where you're trying to piece it together the whole time. Yeah. And it keeps you engaged and all of that. But yeah, that that is definitely what I was asking myself the whole time. Like what is so special about him, you know? Like why yeah. is why is he being haunted, is it just his place of power or is it like his like you said, his own demons or
1: combination or whatever? It's interesting you say the place of power. I think oh wow, okay, never mind. I'm coming back I'm coming back around on this movie even more. I like I said, I enjoyed it from the jump, but I think this might be another Bong Joon Ho thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry folks, there was a little bit of a audio issue and I fixed it and now I'm should be coming through much clearer. I was on the wrong channel on the mic somehow. Whoops haunted
0: haunted it was on the right channel
1: when we started i don't know what happened it's a physical click what happened
0: i don't i don't want to think about it
1: don't either so yeah i think pointing out the position to power thing is actually very interesting so the fact that it's the captain every time feels very bong Jun ho ish
0: true yeah
1: because it's this person in power who causes the problems and the people underneath him something something's I'm, I'm i might be reaching here but I mean, it's that feels like him
0: yeah well it could it it's somewhat of a statement there like a leader
1: with and we, we talked about like the purposelessness of this the triumph of like uh, of human just like wherewithal well and you think this.
0: like you think obviously if you if you are a smart demon i'm going here this yeah. is where i'm going let's go let's if go. you're a smart demon who are you gonna who are you going to attack? you know who are you going to possess? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna possess just like one of the ones that they're gonna be like sad if it's if, if they're gone or are you gonna possess the person in power who these people trust who mm-hmm. these people will do what this person says? who you, you know what i mean no, like I'm if with you, you. Uh, so i'm, I'm just board. i'm just kind of like i think it had something to do with his place of power because you know that people he's trusted and people are going to do what he says follow his orders and what he says goes for the most part they might question it but at the end of the day it especially in this movie it seemed like what he said went you know i like it I don't know. i'm here with you that was my whole thing i think that that's why <laughs> the captain like it was a smart choice you go demon
1: well done demon snaps for you <laughs> so i wanted to talk about a little bit more with the uh, i wanted to heap some more praise on this because i do think that there are some really great things about this that we can speak well of you know me i'm gonna talk about cinematography
0: Please do. This cinematographer deserves to be praised. This yeah. is, I mean, obviously you have a great subject to work with. Like I said, I'll watch Antarctica all day. Mm-hmm. I will not go
1: there. But it's beautiful. It's funny. This is uh, so this is all shot in New Zealand.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Entirely shot in New Zealand.
0: Was that the surprise secret? No. No. Okay. Oh,
1: I'll, let me just get the surprise secret out of the way. I don't, okay. have a, I don't have a segue for it. So here it is. So the director of this movie, mm-hmm. Yim Pilsung, is a good friend of Bong Jun hos Okay guess what movie he was in the host
0: <laughs> who did he play
1: the college friend
0: oh oh my god
1: that's him that's awesome yeah I was awesome. just a fun little thing he was just like i just was like reading through uh some different like sources and articles and things like that and it was just like oh yeah and he was in the host it was like what
0: <laughs> i love that i love that just
1: doing a bit part
0: wait so this was filmed in new zealand yeah just going back to that?
1: Yeah, so there's, you know, there's just glaciers in New Zealand.
0: Yeah, I just, okay.
1: Yeah, so they filmed it all in the glaciers of New Zealand.
0: Well, regardless. The world's best film,
1: <laughs> the world's best film country is New Zealand. Like, they filmed everything. They film a there, lot of things it looks there, I know. Completely different every single time.
0: That's really cool. That's a cool little tidbit of information. Much um, better than
1: going to Antarctica to film where it gets down to minus 80 Celsius.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I don't know why. Again, I don't, I don't, um, I don't go to cold places, so I just don't know. Um, but that's really cool. But I, still, I think it, it, it is still to my point that had a beautiful subject yes. Yes. to film. So you almost can't go wrong, but I do think in this yeah. film they, that the cinematographer really utilized the beauty.
1: Well, and they. this is, again, I like to talk about doing your homework, right? Right. And good horror homework. So there's a reference to, I believe it's a reference to the thing, in this movie, which is which makes sense because again you have an isolated group of men in a remote.
0: The whole Arctic, thing icy place. feels very the thing.
1: It's got to me. yeah. We'll get into some Carpenter yeah aspects later. But the cinematographer uh, Chung Hoon had. It looks like he inserted a cool little shot in there where it's the uh, one of the characters falls flat on his back. And you don't really see his face that much, but you see the splay of snow and his uh, the fur on the hood of his parka. Yes. Which looks like the classic poster for The Thing, which is the man in the parka with the light shining out of his face.
0: I love that you point that out.
1: It's what I'm here for.
0: Yeah. The Thing is his favorite.
1: It is my favorite. <laughs> it's such a good movie. I could watch it any time.
0: I mean, Kurt Russell. Oof. Daddy. Daddy can get it. Daddy. <laughs> so hot in that movie
1: so hot in that movie so crazy in that movie speaking of crazy this movie so yeah. I, I do want to really really just praise the acting in this film everyone nailed it yeah. even with as little characterization as there is of a lot of these people you really only get a strong characterization of a larger than one dimensional exploration of the captain and Minjai. jai
0: yeah and i mean i have to talk about song kang ho
1: fuck yes this dude
0: Oh, my God. From the host to this, he has so much range, you guys. Yeah. Like, and I can't wait to see other things that, that he's in.
1: Because we're watching... He's in
0: Snowpiercer, right? Yeah,
1: we're gonna watching that next, and he's a completely different character in there, too.
0: He, he deserves... Like, I think Bong Joon-ho knows talent when he sees it, because yeah. holy shit, you guys. This guy just has some serious range. He...
1: From playing the goofy, lovable, accident-prone not yeah. quite all there but very single father, single father
0: to playing this captain who is like very demanding and, and quite scary and a little bit sinister towards the end yeah. it's just I can't praise him enough. I think he's an incredible actor and I cannot wait to see everything else he's in.
1: He played unhinged in this so well. Because it's exactly. a really very quiet unhinged. And that's such a hard thing to do. People want to do like the Jim Carrey or the the Joaquin Phoenix unhinged.
0: It was like something the- was bubbling up underneath the entire time. And that's exactly the tension that you want to see in an actor playing a character like that.
1: You want to hear my favorite way to describe it? Sure. A simmer, not a boil.
0: A simmer, not a boil.
1: Yeah, I love it. Because it's all about that. It's that quiet power of of a, of a good actor, you know. Yeah. It's not Al Pacino yelling for Oscars. It's it's De Niro quietly in the corner. It's Natalie Portman's just doing her thing with her face that she does. For sure. You know, it's there's. I mean, there's a number of brilliant other actors we can talk about as well who do just quiet work so well. Like we, you mm-hmm. and I, when we watch movies, we talk about how wonderful the physicality of people's faces. Is. Yeah
0: and there should always 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 be something just beneath the surface that a that a character wants to say mm-hmm. right that's yeah. acting 101 subtext yeah. and it's he's just so i i cannot praise him enough especially in this film that is an ensemble it is yeah. an, an it is an ensemble cast
1: the only way people get more screen time than the other people is by surviving
0: yeah um so that, that takes some work too mm-hmm. with casting because you have to have this cohesive group that is going to, to have their own thing going on but also work as a cohesive unit and make this film what it is. Yeah. Right. And I mean, obviously, yeah. There, there are standouts like the captain is the one who has, you know, is somewhat the reason why a lot of these things happen. So, yes. of course, you could argue that he's the lead, but in my opinion, it's an ensemble cast minus um, our only lady.
1: Yes. Um, even she gets a cast. decent amount of screen time, though. I was surprised. No, she by does. That they, for someone who's not in the crew.
0: Yeah. No, that's definitely true. She gets. You know, more than one, mm-hmm. <laughs> which would, which yeah. is a lot.
1: She gets more than one line. She gets um, at least six, which is about as many as most of them get.
0: Yeah, but yeah. So I thought the acting all around was really, really great. I just needed to sing his praises for a second oh, because absolutely. just what I've seen of him lately, I can't. Is it's pretty unbelievable. Like
1: I said, he's jumped up to he's jumped up to one of my favorite actors of yeah. all time. I think he's got well done, sir. Yeah, in two movies, it showed more range than I've seen from most of our most beloved actors
0: absolutely
1: i'm not going to name names but <laughs> there's we a, don't
0: we don't need to
1: yeah it's not necessary but it's no. just so it, it's so brilliant to see this guy just I, i'm still so haunted by his performance he's so wonderfully trustworthy and creepy because he has that really he has a face that you kind of want to trust
0: yeah you, and when he delivers um, that
1: speech in the beginning you're like man this guy's inspiring and i like this guy because you don't know what's going to happen you don't know that he's yeah. going to be the one who kills everybody
0: it's a performance that you remember after the movie's over.
1: Yeah. Because I, I remember thinking the whole time, but in the beginning, that it was going to be Minjai who ended up killing everyone. Yeah. I thought there was going to be a reversal there. Right. And that it wasn't was also kind of nice. It's like a it's you expect a reversal and you don't get one, which is a nice undercut of its own. That, oh, for that sure. That misdirect that sure. red herring, what have you.
0: Yeah. And that goes back to just the simplicity of the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Which is appreciated.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where I wanted to talk about more carpentry things here. The yes. Weight, let's so get into, back into the that. cinematography. Mm-hmm. This is shot in a very, very carpenter way, which is to say that it uses um, the color palette's very similar. Yes. Which I understand is like how you shoot ice wastelands. But <laughs>
0: for sure. The but fact that he
1: shot this all in daylight was mm-hmm. a really. I thought that it was so cool that it was shot all in daylight because it's set like they're counting down to sundown until you get that final shot of sundown. Because of course, for plot movie magic reasons, uh, Minjai reaches the point of inaccessibility as sundown strikes. Right for dramatic cool reasoning, the, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. cool shot with the Young slider, yeah, and everything. So there's a lot of magical reasoning that happens in this, but I like all of it. Like I'm not distracted by it because yeah. the world just works, and it's because of these. I think it's because of the simplicity of it. I think that I'm I'm able to believe these sort of leaps in logic of. Like, supposedly, uh, Jake Young lost the flint to his lighter. Maybe he had more and replaced it, but there's a, there's a line about that. And there's a, there's a whole, they point it out, and there's a really weird shot where they uh, blur the background and bring the foreground back into view, even though the foreground's just that pot of stew that they've got. Yeah. And I didn't understand why that was there, but, you know, it's fine. Um, but the, it's the way that they track the shots that feels very Carpenter to me. Like, the simplicity of the setup, but the cleverness of how they follow. Um, I agree
0: with that, yeah, fully. There was
1: some good use of shaky cam in here, mm-hmm. um, or really a handy cam takes. yeah, there was really good use of just subtlety, subtle suggestions of uh, of terror. So when I was talking about that shot earlier with the 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 mirror shot where it's from the book, the journal mm-hmm. of that of the British expedition's captain sitting in with his back facing. yeah, to the shot of our captain. Song Kang-ho. Yes. sitting uh, Crouched like that. They even point out, it's like, why would he, why would they draw it like this with his back turned? Yeah. Why would they do that? That doesn't make sense of a way to draw people. Of course you want to draw their faces because that's what's in And then, like, Gun Chan just makes a joke of, like, maybe his face wasn't where it's at. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. <laughs> Yeah, this, but, it, yeah, the
0: whole thing felt, um, and, and we, we touched on this in uh, the last episode about the host as well. It seems like Bong Joon-ho ha- has taken some inspiration from John, John Carpenter. And I think that that is, if you are doing any sort of suspense, thriller, or horror, it is a good idea to watch <laughs> some John Carpenter films because they just work. Yeah. They just do and like and like I said that the music even really reminded me of the thing and the last mm-hmm. the last song that comes on and goes into the credits again just sounds like the next like Halloween theme. I'm yeah. not kidding. It is a fucking banger. It it's a so banger. good. I want to down- I want to find it and I want to download it. Like it's incredible. I want to put a remix on it. It'd be dope. And yeah, so I I definitely think he's pulled inspiration which again Smart move. <laughs> like, John <laughs> yeah. Carpenter's films just work,
1: and it's it, it's one of those things again. Like I said, doing your homework. Um, and again, I know that Bong didn't uh, or uh, Bong Joon Ho didn't. Again, I know that Bong Joon Ho didn't direct this, but yeah, you can writing can come through in shots, and I can see the way that he writes where this comes through. Uh, and I also I don't want to distract from Yin Pil Sung. Who I think was a fairly competent director on this. Again, mm-hmm. there are other directors I would rather have seen this from. Yeah, I think that there were just some rookieish mistakes made here.
0: Well, and it's kind of cool to um, think about, like a community of people, a community of artists who just like that's my guy, sort of thing. Yeah, like they how he put him, they work together. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like this kind of like it's a circle, and he's probably what I don't know. I don't know if he considers himself an actor first or a director first or what. He's but, done
1: more directing than anything. But
0: I would say either way, I think it's cool to have um, to see a through line here. Yeah. To see Bong Joon Ho using the same people over and over again, because again, like I said, I think he has a really great eye for talent.
1: I was laughing that it was um, in my head. I was telling myself a joke before you got in here to record (laughs) and that was that it's it's like Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino but a lot less problematic. Agreed. Interesting connection here between Tarantino and Bong Mm Joon-ho. So Tarantino has been a big fan of his. Like praises the shit out of him. Yeah. That being said Weinstein Harvey Weinstein is who put Tarantino on the map. Tarantino I think was going to bat for Bong Joon-ho and they got Bong Joon-ho and Weinstein did not see eye to eye on apparently anything. And so Weinstein tried to tank his career, which is why Snowpiercer got buried and didn't come out until
0: 2013. That's insane. That
1: movie had been shot years before that.
0: Fuck you, Harvey Weinstein. Fuck
1: you, Harvey Weinstein. Rotten in
0: jail. Goodbye. Oh,
1: I'm so glad he has coronavirus. Bye. Him and Boris Johnson both, like, good keep going like i i am very unhappy with the situation we're in and i don't wish ill on anyone except people who fucking deserve it like boris johnson oh and Quik- or in fucking harvey weinstein
0: yeah i just i, I love, hope they suffer i love bong joon ho i'm gonna, do too. i'm let's gonna go bring this to i'm gonna yeah. bring this conversation up <laughs> i love bong joon ho i love the stories that he continues to tell and i love that he's getting recognition that he most certainly deserves because and also i i don't this goes without saying just the cultural representation like he has made a huge difference in korea so far just from putting parasite out there yeah it's incredible so keep doing the damn thing bong Him Joon-ho. and the rest of
1: this crew and i really think that like i mean it, we all know about k dramas and k pop and all of that uh, yeah but k horror has been just dominating the scene and and not in terms of um, Returns, money wise, and all of that, and awards and things. Mm-hmm. But like I said last time, every single one I've watched is fucking gorgeous. I like some more than others. They're not all perfect. They're not all the best movie I've ever seen.
0: Of course, of course. But
1: fuck, are there some really good ones? And the I know that I'm getting a curated is... version of it too. Like I'm not watching yeah. all the come out like I do a lot of the American movies. Yeah, I understand that. Like my
0: that's true. Your yours is very uh, it's, it's limited. But it's it, gonna it's gonna naturally be that way, unfortunately. Yeah, but... I'm not
1: gonna go and watch the bad ones on purpose.
0: Yeah which we would honestly prefer in America as well. Yeah. We don't want to watch the bad ones, but sometimes <laughs> we have to have to kiss a couple frogs. But yeah, I just I mean, I just cannot stop singing his praises because I think what he's doing is so important and yeah. I think that I think that it's so awesome that K-horror is really coming to the forefront here.
1: It's at least making its way in and I'm, I'm Because I love
0: these movies, all yeah. of the ones that I've seen I think they're really interesting, and I think that they just and they're also well rounded. Like yeah. I feel like sometimes in America uh, with American film, we get very like bogged down with the horror aspect of it, and it just feels very doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. And I just think that I just think that in K horror, there's kind of like this lightness to it. Yeah, and there's just kind of it, they're making jokes. Whether it's whether it's like a political joke or whether yeah. it's like something that is just like like in the host, that girl who couldn't like was too slow. Yeah. And and they just like kept making jokes about that and it was a through line and I just I love how well rounded it is. It's not mm-hmm. only terrifying, but you feel a lot for these characters and you find yourself laughing and giggling in it on occasion. Yeah. And I really appreciate that.
1: I, I, I do too. I think I'm just really excited about seeing where this new exposure, our, our American cultural exposure to K-horror through Bong Jun ho Yeah. And hoping that people explore more like I have and you have and others that I know have uh, into that genre because it is so interesting. What I don't want to see happen is what happened with the brief Japanese horror foray we had for about four years. Yeah, We were four or five years. We were remaking a lot of japanese movies which was cool because we were seeing a new version of what horror could look like and what monsters could look like and how to think about how we tell horror stories yeah and what happened was nothing we we did it for a sec it was a quick trend and that was it you know like i, I don't see any american horror movies that are inspired by japanese horror anymore or yeah. that, that took the that learned lessons from them. Yeah. You know what I mean. When we have these sort of cultural exchanges, I don't want to say that we should all be culturally appropriating. Far from it. I want us to be exchanging and talking about ideas with each other. And I saying, think
0: exchanging is a really key word in that yeah. phrase because if it Jun-ho's shouldn't. Borrow from
1: bon- John Carpenter. I as a filmmaker, I'm going to borrow from Dong Jun Ho.
0: Right. It's yeah, yeah. Because it should. It should all be like an exchange, and it should be just like a simple nod to that because because that is to learn from each other well and that is also just how you get on a chain of movies like that is how you say oh if you really liked the thing then you might really like antarctic journal you know what i mean like that's just how you get on the chain of movies Mm -hmm. and is is kind of like this this little exchange and and we all are inspired by different things and yeah of course Don't no appropriation, please, for the love of God. Um, Don't be an asshole. Yeah. But like, but yeah, when you see something and it inspires you, I think that there's a little piece of it in you. And then when you start to create, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you are pulling from all of that that Mm -hmm. you're inspired by. So it just it all kind of comes together anyway.
1: Yeah. And I think like I know that some of the things that I've written have definitely been inspired by Japanese horror. Because I really enjoyed it when I was growing up. Like, that was, yeah. was that was the only, not the only, but one of the only non-torture porn or zombie things coming out mm-hmm. when we were younger. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this in the podcast before, but just to bring it up again, that was one yeah. of the only things coming out. And it was one of the only things that I could connect with. And it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. But I loved it because it was so, it was, a, it was a rich alternate form of storytelling that I hadn't exp- hadn't been able to explore yet because I hadn't seen it. I'd grown up, you know, Hitchcock and Carpenter and, and Scott and, yeah. and a number of others, but... Uh, you know craven and and all of that but
2: well, I think it was a being... cool new avenue
1: and so like what the things i took from like oh, okay uh haunting of places and not necessarily by i don't like the like the the scars and the wounds sorts of things yeah that, that is a is a through line through a lot of uh, a lot of japanese horror where you have wounds left in the world um, mm. I, I have i've had a story that i've never released that is a very literal interpretation of that in using that idea, but you know, and some of the other things I've written, I've tried to incorporate that as well, and that's what I want to see. You know, I want to see yeah. us taking these ideas and sort of not taking them, but you know, exploring these these ideas and saying, okay, well, it's cool because this is a different perspective on what I what I think is horrifying.
0: Absolutely, because horror is so
1: culturally defined, and yet there seem to be looking at these movies and going well there's a lot of things that we fi- all find horrifying
0: exactly and i think that i think that it's really interesting to to bring up that there are a few things that there are a lot of things that seem to divide us these days and it always has yeah for whatever bullshit reason people want to divide themselves but at the end of the day we all feel certain things and it's really cool to see it's really cool to see across all different cultures finding the same things scary. Right? We all feel yeah. fear. We all feel love. We all feel these, you know, these emotions, and it's really cool to just be like, Look, we're all we're all the same at the core.
1: Well, and it's 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 exploring our differences that's interesting too. Like it's of one course. of these differences in film, well, and I think that that's so fucking cool and like, well, the way that we can see alternate versions of what horror looks like. The fact that Bong Joon-ho is selling jokes through most of his movies is fantastic. And that's such a different way of doing horror. Whereas like, yeah. here, who do we have that does that? Joss Whedon and Edgar Wright. Yeah. And I love one of them and don't love the other. Yeah. And I guess that
0: that's, that's what I mean when I say like, you know, you're inspired by something and then it's your take on it from just what you have experienced in your own life and of course your culture is going to inform that and so that's really what i was getting at that is that at the core it's really cool to see how we can all feel fear Mm -hmm. and can all you know show love in a similar way and but then you put a you put a filter on it pretty much that's from your experiences and you know, and your culture informs that yeah. is the SparkNotes version of what I just <laughs> rambled on about. Um, but
1: I think one thing we can all agree on is that we should all hiring Song Kang Ho. Yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> sign the off great on unifier. that. The unifier of all humanity is hire that man.
0: I will. Um, <laughs> I will sign the petition. I don't even know if there should be a petition. Everyone should just do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I'm my my final thought. Mm-hmm on all of this again and I'm probably just going to reiterate this um, comes from his uh, Oscars speech like
1: what now kiss now kiss <laughs>
0: which iconic um, don't shy away from movies because you have to fucking read yeah because you have to turn on the subtitles or because they're already subtitled whatever. you are missing out on so much, so much so many good stories. Just put your phone away, hang out, and read the fucking subtitles. Yeah. Absorb these other stories that come from other walks of life, and you will be better for it. That's my final thought to yeah. for today.
1: <laughs> I, I would join on that. I just don't, I don't have anything else to say about the movie other than it's really gorgeous. If you, I hope it comes out across more platforms so that... That was the other thing is that we, we were casting it from a computer to a TV and the uh, the resolution wasn't the best, so it was a little pixel at times. However, I think there's a I lot think, to be said for this film. Um, I think it's
0: going to be on Amazon because it was on Amazon for rental for a while but the, once Parasite came out they took it off so I think it might just be like a who gets it thing Yeah. right now like who Yeah.
1: Is it gonna, which who, streaming service who, yeah, gets it which is so, a five or whatever.
0: So just be on the lookout. In the meantime it is on Vimeo.
1: Yeah. Other than that I just want to do a couple quick shout outs. I know that we've been keep saying we want to do these in the podcast but I just want to shout out some people who have been awesome in helping us make sure this podcast stays alive and keep everything going uh, shout out to Andrew Costelli yes for helping us out with some recording space and equipment shout out to our very good friend Stefan Reed mm-hmm. uh, you can find him at Mr. AOB A-Y-O-B-E. Uh, We are going to actually have him on the podcast sooner or later once he stops being so damn busy. But you can always find him uh, on Instagram doing amazing work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when the city is back open around the city doing amazing work.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: Also, just want to plug my buddy Horty.
0: Yeah, go for Uh, it.
1: My dear friend Jesper dropped his debut short film, War Monkey. You can find it on YouTube or you can find it through his uh, Instagram at Jeff Hortolosa, H O R T I. L-L-O-S-A, best known as being the guitarist from Whiskey Shivers and that guy in the Pitch Perfect movies (laughs) or the third Pitch Perfect movie. But I love him to death. We watched it last night before watching this. And it is a good, fun little half an hour romp that plays with, you know, a lot of cool different themes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We watched it last night. It was it was really fun. I just like plugging
1: other other friends work, you know, like we this is our work. So I don't have to plug it at the end of every podcast. But like I like to shout out people who have really helped us along.
0: Well, and Uh, and, or
1: who just like deserve to get their work highlighted.
0: Yeah, and we we are a part of a community that is filled with artists. um, Yeah, and we would truly not be here if it weren't for them. So, we really just want to thank everyone who's been a guest, anyone who has come up to us at at the bar or messaged us or whatever and just you know said oh i listened to this episode i really enjoyed it or gave us some constructive criticism we take it all in and we really really appreciate all of you it takes it takes a village to build something and we are based off of listens and likes and shares (laughs) and all
1: of that so please do those things so
0: please do those things um yeah you can follow us on instagram at horror babes podcast Podcast. podcast um and we're on um that's also our website horror and then um horror babes pod on twitter Yup, yeah. yup. Yeah. okay till next week bye, bye babes babe.